Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So God's word defines for us what the truth is. Now John eight thirty two says the truth will make us free from sin. So false teaching certainly is not going to make us free from sin. And as we said, God's word defines for us what the truth is. So the truth on any issue, any question, religious question or issue is defined by what the word of God says. Not what man says, not by what church tradition says, not by what the Pope says, not by what your favorite preacher says, not by what a seminary president says, not by what any man says, but only by what God says. And what God says is in his word and thy word is truth that defines for us the truth on any of these, on any issue that is we bring up. And that's why we all always on this program appeal to the scriptures to define for us, to decide for us what is the right answer to any religious question. Last week we mentioned Judges six seventeen verse six, which reads, "In those day, days there was no king in Israel." But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We noted that many preachers and churches are not following the scriptures as their authority in religion today. Instead, they're doing, as this verse says, they're doing what is right in their own eyes. When we started last week demonstrating that with some human quotes. Let me mention one here. I want to notice one I didn't mention last week. It's from the Watchtower Witnesses, the JWs. They say this in their literature. We find that people cannot see the divine plan in studying the Bible by itself. This is a quote from them. I don't agree with this. We see also that if anyone lays aside the scripture studies, that's their Watchtower magazine, even after he has read them for ten years, if he then lays them aside and ignores them and goes to the Bible alone, our experience shows that two he goes into darkness. On the other hand, if he had merely read the scripture studies and had not read a page of the Bible, he would be in the light. Now that's what the Watchtower folks say about themselves. So the Watchtower religion is admitting, in effect, that they don't really use the Bible as their final authority either. They evidently think a person would be better off reading their literature alone than studying the Bible. They position their literature above the Bible and what they're going to follow. Now, if you have a Bible question or comment, as the announcer said, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. So we see the Watchtower organization is admitting that they think you're better off reading their literature and just leaving the Bible alone because... That's just an admission that their doctrines are not actually found in the Bible. So they would rather you read their literature, which does teach their doctrines, than doesn't. Give you a couple of examples of doctrines uh, that they don't teach that are taught in the Bible. For example, they teach that Jesus is not deity. They believe he was Michael the archangel until he was born of Mary. Then he's Jesus, but he's just a man. He's not divine. He's not God. But you remember doubting Thomas when he basically said, Look, I'm not going to believe Jesus is risen from the dead until I see the nail prints in his hands. And then when he saw them, a day or two later, here's what he said, John 20, 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, 
That's talking about Jesus, unto Jesus. My Lord and my God. So, the Bible in John 20, verse 28, calls Jesus God. Now, the Watchtower folks say he's not God. But the Bible says that he is God. Another place. John 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of John 1, it says, And the Word was made flesh. So we know we're talking about Jesus here. The Word, which is just another name for Jesus, was made flesh. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 1 again says, The Word was with God. So Jesus Christ was with God the Father. And Jesus, and the Word was God, meaning Jesus Christ was God. So from the very beginning, Jesus Christ existed with the Father. He was with God the Father, and He was God Himself. And that makes sense. If you have the literal son of the human being, that's going to be a human being. If you have the literal son of God, it's going to be God. Not Jesus is not God the Father. He's God the Son. They're both divine. The Watchtower folks say he's not God, that he's really just an angel that became a man. Of course, they really, don't really have the Bible as their authority. They may say that they do, but we read the quote that said, you'd be better off reading our literature and not reading the Bible at all than to read the Bible without our literature. They're not using the Bible as their authority. There are a lot of examples like that in the religious world today. It's when people differ on what the Bible says, this preacher or church says this, this preacher or church says this, sometimes people say, well, that's just a matter of honest disagreement over interpretation. Most of the time it's not. It's because somebody is not accepting the Bible as the authority. Another thing the Watchtower people believe, they believe the wicked, once they die, they're gone forever. That there's no such thing as H-E-L-L, everlasting punishment. But one verse, real quickly, Matthew 25, 46. Jesus said, And these, talking about the wicked, shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, in the Greek, the word for everlasting and the word for eternal is the same. However long we're going to be in heaven... With God, however long we're going to be in the afterlife, if we're saved, that's the same length of time that the wicked are going to be in everlasting punishment with the devil. The Watchtower folks don't believe in everlasting punishment. They don't believe in H-E-L-L, but the Bible clearly teaches it. This is not the only verse. But for sake of time purposes, I think one verse proves it clearly, doesn't it? The Watchtower folks don't really have the Bible as their authority. Now, they may lead their followers into thinking that they do use the Bible as their authority. Oh, but they quote Scripture for this, and they quote Scripture for that. But we've just demonstrated they don't take the Bible as their authority. Again, they say, you'd be better off studying our literature than studying the Bible. And they're off on the deity of Christ and everlasting punishment. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. The lines are wide open. 877 877- 655 if you have a Bible question or comment. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So what seems right to us may not be right according to God. Only God's word as we said, John seventeen seventeen, only God's word can tell us what is actually right. What may seem right to us, what we feel, 
Maybe a vision or a dream that we have. Those are the things that are defined by what seems right to us. It's actually the Bible, God's Word, that tells us what is right. For example, we've talked about women preachers a number of times on this program. If it were up to me, I would allow women to preach from the pulpit, if it were up to me. Women are just as smart as men, and they can teach just as well as men. So if it were up to me, I would allow it. But is it up to me? It's not up to me, is it? It's up to God, and and what God allows is defined by His Word. And here's what He said in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 about women preachers. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, I'm going to suggest to you, that verse is not hard to understand. Three times he says, he teaches, women are not to preach in the church. He says, let your women keep silence in the churches. Right after that, he says, it's not permitted unto them to speak. And at the end of verse 35, he says, it's a shame for women to speak in the church. So there's nothing ambiguous about this passage. Why do about 75% of the churches across the United States and Canada allow women to preach from the pulpit then? Is it because the Bible's hard to understand? It's just a matter of difference in honest interpretation of the Bible? No, there's nothing hard to understand about this verse. You don't even have to interpret it. It's just a matter of whether or not you believe it. The problem is people aren't accepting the Bible as their authority. Instead, they decide, the church decides whether they're going to allow women preachers by what does society say about it? What's politically correct? Since it's not politically correct not to allow women preachers, They allow women preachers. They don't consult the Bible, obviously, because if they did, they would see that it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Anaja from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. So uh, my question is, uh, well, I do agree uh, uh, that the Scripture is the infallible Word of God, and we should derive conclusions from uh, Scripture. But... uh, God also does speak to us um, through experiences, through revelations, whether that be a dream or some sort of uh, experience. So my question to you is, can God still communicate today just in the same way that he communicated to Paul on the road to uh, to Damascus? Can he still communicate to us today in such a manner? And the answer is he could, but 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13, which says prophecies shall fail, tongues shall cease, says that he won't. The days of the miracles, the miraculous gifts, they were in operation in the first century. But 1 Corinthians 13 and Zechariah 13, 1-4 teaches that he won't do that. You hear what I'm saying, Anaja? Right, right. And by the way, I have uh, some material I send out on that it's because I don't have time to go into detail on 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13 and Zechariah 13. But I'd be glad to send you, it's about five charts, five pages showing in detail from those two scriptures how we know that the miraculous gifts have ceased, that they ceased at the time the New Testament law was completed. Would you like me to try to send that to you, Naja? Um, sure. Um, I would. Uh, I would love that. 
So you don't okay. believe that God continues to speak to humanity today through maybe dreams and revelations, as long as he does not contradict his uh, revealed word, which is the Bible? Well, as I said, no, I don't, because of 1 Corinthians 13. I don't think he does that. You know, Why would he need to speak to somebody in a vision or a dream if the same thing as what's in the Bible? If it doesn't contradict the Bible, if it's already in the Bible, why would we need it? We can just read the Bible. And that's the point of the matter, is that we have the completed New Testament. Before the New Testament was completed, the Christians at that time, and this went on for 30 or 40 or 50 years or more, they didn't have the completed New Testament. How were they supposed to know what the New Testament law for them was for Christians? Well, God would reveal things to people directly through things like prophecy, miraculous knowledge, tongues, and things like that, so that he could reveal New Testament law directly. But once he's got all of the New Testament law completed, and we've got it all revealed, written down, and all in one place, Matthew through Revelation, he doesn't need to reveal New Testament law, his will for today to people. It's already in the Bible. He'd just be repeating himself. That would be the point of what you're going to see. But I'd like to send you those charts, Anajay. And i tell you what I'll do. If you don't mind... I'll call you after the program on this number and ask for your email address, and then I'll try to send you that email, okay? Absolutely. Thank you for your answer. Appreciate your call, okay? Thank you. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, the way that God reveals... His law to us today is described by many passages like Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4. It says, how that by revelation, and this is Paul talking, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So and this is the way it was done in the Old Testament too. In the Old Testament, he revealed to these Old Testament prophets. In the New Testament, he reveals to New Testament prophets Peter, James, John, Paul, they write it down. That's what this verse, they write it down so that when we read it, we can understand it. We don't have to have a code book to understand it either. God revealed to them directly, the apostles and New Testament prophets. They wrote it down and when, so that when we read it, we can understand it. That's how we determine what the truth is. Remember, Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So God's word, the Bible, defines the truth for us. If we want to know the truth on any issue, any religious issue, turn in the Bible, find out the answer. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. We need to learn a lesson from the Old Testament in Numbers 22, 18. 24.13 in Deuteronomy 5.32. Let me read. Balaam said, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord to do less or more. I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. Ye shall observe to do, therefore, as God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So we need to examine on any religious question or issue, anything we want to know about how to please God, we need to examine the Word of God, it alone, 
We need to do what the Word of the Lord says, not less or more, not good or bad of our own mind, but what the Lord saith. And we don't need to turn to the right hand or to the left. In 2 Timothy, referring back to something that caller said, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnishing us unto all good works. So the Scripture is given to us, inspired, I mean, God gives, gave the words, so he's act, the actual author. It's profitable for doctrine. We're trying to decide what we're going to teach doctrinally. We should go to the Scriptures and the Scriptures only, not what we think God has said to us directly through visions or dreams or anything else. It says the Scriptures thoroughly furnish us into all good works, so it gives us everything we need. There's nothing we need religiously in, in, the, in the form of information that we can't find in God's Word. It's all there. What, what, we, what do we learn, for example, about the action of baptism in Romans 6, verse 4? This is just an illustration of what I'm talking about. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory, raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me go ahead and take this call and we'll get back to that. Tony from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, my question is, is it permissible to remarry after divorce, even though the Bible says not to? Well, let me read Matthew 19.9. There's at least six or eight New Testament passages on this, but let me read Matthew 19.9, and you tell me what the Bible says, Tony. Here's Jesus speaking. He says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So does it sound like Jesus is saying it's okay to remarry? Let's say I've been married to my wife 32 years, Carol. Suppose I divorce her for incompatibility. That's the most common cause for divorce in Alabama. We don't get along, and I divorce her for that. Is this verse saying it's okay for me to remarry after that or not? No. Tony? Yeah. No, he says, if I divorce my wife no. for any reason other than fornication, meaning sexual unfaithfulness, and remarry, it says that second marriage is adultery. Isn't that what it's saying, Tony? Yeah, yes, that's what it says. You know, Tony, let me ask you a follow-up question. So I divorced Carol, just as an example, for incompatibility. I marry Betty. Jesus says that a marriage to Betty is adulterous, right? Right. Suppose I want to repent. I, I'm, I, I realize I'm wrong. I want to get back right with God. So I, I realize I'm in an adulterous marriage and I want to repent. What would I have to do? What would my repentance, if I'm sorry for what I did, what would my repentance demand that I do, Tony? You you would have to re-counsel back to your your uh, first wife. That's exactly right. I can't I can't just say I'm sorry and keep on committing adultery with Betty. I got to terminate that relationship. And seek reconciliation with Carol. I got to try to make things right. I mean, if you steal a horse and you repent, you give the horse back, right, Tony? That's right. But it's, it's just so prevalent now, you know, to be remarried. 
I it is, was married. It is so and prevalent. I got divorced, and but I haven't got remarried. But I mean, hmm. yeah, I'm just confused about that because what I was married to was remarried. So it, it is so pre- prevalent, and it's so unfortunate. That they, I heard the statistic is that most congregations, about twenty to thirty percent of the congregation is in an adulterous marriage, like a second or third marriage they have no right to. And I'm talking about per Matthew 19.9. Adulterous marriage as defined by Matthew 19.9. 20 to 30% in most congregations are in adulterous marriages and the churches just don't say anything about it. It's like a don't ask, don't tell policy. They just ignore it because they know if they preach the truth on it, they're afraid a lot of those people will leave and down goes the contribution. So they don't, they compromise and they don't stand for anything on it. Now, they used to 100 years ago when there weren't so many divorces. It was easy. Nobody got a divorce, so they stood for the truth on it. But now, they say 50% of marriages end in divorce, so the churches are scared to preach the truth on it. You know what I mean, Tony? Yes. It's, Tony, you know uh, you're right. I, if you, Go ahead. Yeah, it's just, you know, as pastors even do it. So, it was, it's just... I I don't I'm not going to judge but I just let God have the final say. <laughs> yeah, you know if, if 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 it's if it were okay to repent and stay in an adulterous marriage, then by the same reasoning it would be okay to repent and stay in a gay marriage. You know, but if you have to get out of a gay marriage when you repent, then by the same reason you have to get out of an adulterous marriage when you repent. You follow me, Tony? Yes. Yeah, but what churches do you know of that are willing to say that, that are willing to stand for that? Look, if you're in an adulterous marriage, you're going to have to get out of that. They won't do that, will they? No. There are churches that are still willing to stand for the truth on a lot of these issues, like divorce and remarriage, are very few and far between. But I'm telling my audience, you need they're few and far between. You need to find one, though. You need to find a church you can drive to that's willing to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage. This truth against gay marriage. That's willing to stand for the truth on women preachers and baptism, these other things. You follow me, Tony? I follow you. Appreciate your call, Tony. Okay. I appreciate it. Okay. Right, thank, thank, you, thank you for your answer. Have, have a good wow. evening. William from Georgia, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, the biggest thing I find out is you got to trust God. If you don't, if you don't be a follower of Jesus Christ, He said, "If you see Me, you see the Father." So, what He said, if you trust Me, you got to trust God too. You, can't, you know, you can't, you're right, William. We have to trust God. We have to trust God. But I'm I'm reading here from Second Thessalonians chapter one verse eight. It says, "In flaming fire." This is talking about God. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So so to avoid this flaming fire and everlasting destruction, which is mentioned in verse 9, William, not only do you have to trust God, not only do you have to know Him, you have to obey the gospel. And I find right. that a lot of people who are in churches today don't even know what obeying the gospel means. Oh, How can okay. they have... 
If they don't even know what obeying the gospel means, how can they have obeyed the gospel? They, they say they trust God. They say they believe in God and Jesus. They say they, say they know him. But this says you also got to obey the gospel. We, go, go ahead, ahead William. At, at, the moment, at the moment that I do accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and believe what he did on the cross for me, then my, 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 my redemption is already sealed. William, I'm going to have to let you go because I have to go off the air. That's not quite right because Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the moment you believe you're not saved, you've got to be baptized after that to be saved. Let me mention about the Bible. BibleCrossFire.com is the website you can go to to sign up for, to do a correspondence course online or to ask me a question by email or to listen to old programs. BibleCrossFire.com. Go there and see what's available to you there. And if you would like that free one-hour phone Bible study that I've been offering, I'll call you sometime when it's convenient for you, and we'll have a one-hour phone Bible study. Call me or text me at 256-682-9753.